It's time. Landeskog turned it over to Horvat, right to the slot. Pedersen scores! Is there anything this kid can't do? For Locked On Canucks. Now Pedersen out the right wing side. Saucer pass, left circle. Besser shoots and scores! It was good that Brock Lesnar got a goal. You got a journalism for that! The kids continue to get it done with Justin Morissette. He's a weird dude, yeah. It's good to have weird dudes. Canucks podcast for Wednesday, March the 24th, 2021, the night that the Canucks are about to take on the Winnipeg Jets in night two of a two-game series here, the first one this past Monday, of course. You may have noticed the show uh, disappeared again over the last little while. I had uh, some very stressful things come up uh, with regards to my leg, but guess what? Life is back to normal now. I am back to work. I am uh, you know, able to stand up and all that stuff. So that is good news for you who listen to this show on a regular basis because while I may have tried to bring it back a little earlier than I was ready for, I am ready now. And we are going to be hitting the ground running here on Locked On Canucks. I had two shows in the can for you last week, ready for a big comeback, was not able to put them out, but I'm going to tell you more about that in just a second. Right now, I do want you to know that this episode is brought to you by Locker Room. Download the Locker Room app from the iOS App Store and find one one of our locked on rooms locker room changing the way we talk about sports now where was i yes i had recorded two shows last week and then they're playing games faster than i can even talk about them right now things changed rapidly both for my life and the team and everything that was going on i wasn't sure uh, if it made sense to even put them out anymore one of them i'm going to just toss in the recycle bin but the other one was a really fun interview that I did uh, with Brandon Mackey. Brandon, a writer and podcaster out of Ottawa who covers the Senators. Of course, those Sens games were last week now. It's a little bit dated, but uh, these are two franchises I feel like who might have a little bit more in common than they care to admit, especially this season, especially uh, at the moment. So I had a really... <laughs> Really great chat with Brandon and thought that, you know what, even if it's from last week, you'd still enjoy listening to it. So uh, enjoy this one. I will be back bright and early tomorrow morning to talk about everything that's gone on with the team of late, uh, including a rash of injuries, a couple of waiver pickups, and of course tonight's action against the Winnipeg Jets as well. But until then, without further ado, here is today's show and my conversation with Brandon Mackey. Another series between the Canucks and Senators means it's time to head to the nation's capital and catch up with Brandon Mackey. He is a staff writer for Silver 7 Sens and the host of the Internal Budget Podcast. Sort of been my own personal PR department over the last seven months here as well. Making his Locked On debut, Brandon. Uh, welcome to the show. A pleasure to have you here. Hey, thank you for having me, and you've done a good enough job yourself of getting uh, some good publicity, <laughs> man, so that's all you. <laughs> well, uh, I, I don't want to um, uh, tease too much or, or spoil anything here, peek behind the curtain, Brandon, but you and I just talked for the better part of an hour uh, for your podcast, uh, Internal Budget, and uh, hopefully we can come up with some topics here that does not uh, run over the same ground entirely, but you know, we, we just sort of talked about it uh, on your show. Let's talk about the two games that were played this week the Canucks uh, picking up four points but 
could have easily gone the other way. You know, an overtime victory, a shootout victory, games that they uh, didn't really deserve to win. Uh, safe to say the uh, the Ottawa Senators got Thatcher Demcode, unfortunately. But uh, that's sort of the case here in the Canadian division. You look at the, at the Winnipeg Jets. Not a very good team up front. A terrific goaltender, and the record reflects yeah. it. No, I think I think Ottawa has been the one team that has actually struggled to goalie anybody this year, which has been uh, somewhat of a source of frustration among fans. Um, obviously, Joey Decord was playing great. You could argue that he goalied the Leafs uh, last Sunday, but you know, unfortunately, got hurt last night. But but yeah, I mean, I think that the Tuesday game was one of, if not the best game that the Senators have played. All year. There was a few guys who really especially showed out. Like, I think it was Tim Stutzla's best game as a pro um, so far. Uh, Drake Batherson has looked phenomenal. Colin White looked really good. Brady Kachuk, Thomas Shabbat. Like, really, I had no complaints about the way that the Senators have played over the past two games, aside from a couple defensive breakdowns. Um but I mean, that's them's the breaks, like you said. Uh, Thatcher Demko's a phenomenal goalie, and every now and then he's going to steal a game or two. So that's just the unfortunate reality of the North Division. And I think Vancouver fans can kind of relate to the experience of watching the Sens this season and probably in seasons previous over the last couple of years here, too, because... You're sort of going through the same process that we went through. If anything, though, I think it might be better from an Ottawa perspective, which you can tell me to, to F off with that. I will fully uh, accept pushback that things are preferable for Ottawa fans. But, it, you know, you guys actually embraced this. This was a real rebuild. Uh, and and I, I say you guys, I mean the team itself. I don't know that the fans entirely embraced trading away all of those players, but no. it was an actual teardown. Uh, rebuild the kind that Vancouver really needed to to go through, but just fought against at every turn. Um, it's been pain in Ottawa the last couple of years, but I, is there some upside, I guess, to just trying to get it over with in as short of a process as you can, instead of looking at the way that sort of you know Calgary and and Vancouver and other Canadian teams who've refused to embrace the teardown just get stuck in this, you know process for you know as long as a decade in some cases i think for the ottawa senators a rebuild was a long time coming just solely based on the fact that they were supposed to do one in you know like 2010 11 12 somewhere in that range uh they ended up making the playoffs taking the new york rangers who they were supposed to get crushed by to a one goal game and a game seven uh, and that ultimately ended up being the most detrimental thing to the Ottawa Senators because things never really improved from there. Uh, they had the Hamburglar run in 2015, which was kind of deceptive because they were not a good hockey team. And they ended up having the miracle run to end all miracle runs and going to the first round and losing and losing out on a high draft pick. Uh, and then 2017 happens. And honestly, I truly believe that had the Senators won that game seven against Pittsburgh, they would have won the Stanley Cup. Uh, they were peaking at the right time. They were getting healthy at the right time. And Nashville was probably the most beatable team that they were going to play in terms of their game and in terms of the way Pecorino was playing. So to answer your question, yeah, uh, to an extent, fans have embraced the suck. They were not happy about trading Eric Carlson, and rightfully so. And the same can be said of Mark Stone and any other numerous stars that the Senators have had over the past few years. But at the end of the day, um, things have turned a corner in the sense that I think 
they feel better about it having guys like Tim Stutzla and Drake Batherson and Brady Kachuk in particular. So I think fans are optimistic about the future of this team. Uh, the present day Ottawa Senators may be a bit of a struggle to watch on a nightly basis at times. But yeah, I think ultimately they acknowledge that it was time for the rebuild uh, and it has at least right now paid off, but we'll have to see how it plays out over the next four or five years. This episode is brought to you by Locker Room. Locker Room is the first social audio platform made for sports fans. The app is free to download, and once you're in, you can talk with fans, athletes, and insiders in real time about your favorite team or sport. Locker Room is the perfect place to start or join conversations about the league, and you can find fans like you on Locker Room for watch parties, debates, post-game breakdowns, and of course, reacting to all the big news or rumors. You can even find Find Locked On hosts across the NBA, MLB, and NHL. I will be joining the app soon as well, so be sure to get started, and I will meet you there. We will do live shows like this one that you are listening to right this very second. You can call in. You can be involved all through the Locker Room app. So go download the free Locker Room app now, currently available on all iOS devices. Be sure to create a profile, link your Twitter, and join the NHL group for the latest league updates. I know you will find a ton of incredible rooms around your favorite teams and leagues and i can't wait to join you all on the app i'll be sure to let you know once locked on canucks is live on locker room but download the locker room app today that's locker room changing the way we talk about sports We've been telling you about Built Bar, the best tasting protein bar on the market for a while now. Built Bar is the amazing low calorie, low sugar, high protein, high fiber, amazing tasting protein bar with 100% chocolate on all of their bars. And now is the time to find out which Built Bar is the best. Yes, there's a slew of flavors available and we're putting them all head to head. It is Built Bar Madness. Today's matchup over uh, on the Built Bar bracket right now. I am checking in. It is Mint Brownie versus Coconut Puff. I'm going to throw my vote behind Mint Brownie on this one, I believe, and see if it can go all the way in our uh, Built Bar Madness bracket tournament that's going to continue throughout the entire NCAA bracket, I would imagine. Uh, you know, maybe you're, maybe you're a coconut person. If you want to have your say, go to BuiltBar.com or over to at bar underscore built on Twitter. Remember to use the promo code LOCKED15 to get 15% off your next order. That's LOCKED15 to get 15% off your next order at BuiltBar.com and check back to see who's won today's matchup and who will become the best tasting protein bar of them all. It, it just seems like uh, results aside... It feels fun to be an Ottawa Senators fan right now. And I don't know if that's just because when things are bleak, you lean on Gallo's humor and everybody is having a, a good time uh, just being sort of as pessimistic as possible. And Lord knows we've had a number of years like that in Vancouver. But, you know, things are not fun in Vancouver at the moment. And when you go over the list of reasons why, a number of players walking during the offseason, uh, unprecedented frugality of ownership, uh, an, an unfavorable owner whose you know PR standing is is dropping as the season goes along uh, I'm sure if I were to run over all the reasons why things have just been absolutely miserable in Vancouver this year uh, Ottawa fans are just rolling their eyes like nothing I haven't seen before <laughs> get a grip guys well, especially when you bring up ownership right I think ultimately yeah it's it's fun right now because 
Sens fans know the results don't matter. I think a lot of people regarded this season as kind of a 56-game preseason that would lead up to next year, uh, where the team is actually going to try to make a push for the playoffs or should be projecting to make a push for the playoffs. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, that's where the whole Sens-Sickos movement has kind of evolved from, uh, where if they lose, it's who cares, and if they win, it's hilarious, especially if it's against a team like Toronto or Montreal. So, yeah, I mean, it is fun to be a fan of the Ottawa Senators right now. I think Gallo's humor is the perfect way to put it, but they are also taking pleasure in the little things, right? As long as games are competitive and fun to watch, then then that's then wins are gravy. And the way Tim Stutzla has developed, the way Drake Batherson has emerged as a top six forward in the NHL. I mean, that, those are the things that Sens fans were looking for this season. They weren't looking for a playoff spot, uh, despite the players' own ambitions. They weren't looking for crazy, out-of-nowhere results. They were looking to maybe win some games and develop. And so far, that's what's happening. So far, everybody's on track. Some, some guys have faltered here and there. And, you know, fans have griped about you know player deployment and things like that but ultimately everything is good in ottawa right now like it's really hard to have any complaints and and it seems like you know it's kind of a new experience for vancouver fans this year to feel like they are perhaps an open conflict with the team's owner uh that is not a new experience for sens fans of course no. famously having taken out uh you know billboards to, to voice their displeasure with the owner in particular uh and i mean there's a lot of reasons to to think that eugene melnick is just an absolute scumbag i i think he like took a fan's kidney or something is that true i don't entirely so, remember that but uh it was a liver it was a liver okay a liver and- <laughs> there, there are some misconceptions about this. So, and I, again, I am not a defender of Eugene Melnick in any sense of the word, but I will clear this up for any Vancouver fans who are unfamiliar with the story. So, Eugene Melnick, I, I forget the name of the condition, but he was essentially going into liver failure uh, and needed a transplant, but needed a specific type of donor. Mm-hmm. So, he wasn't on any kind of donor list. He needed someone who could actually meet his requirements. Uh, so, someone came forward and donated their liver. Uh, and they actually chose to remain anonymous and said, uh, I don't want, you know, recognition or anything like that. The only thing I want is Mr. Melnick to bring a Stanley Cup to Ottawa. Uh, so far, that has not materialized. <laughs> But I think even the most uh, ardent of Eugene Melnick haters are glad that uh, that that person did come forward and donate the liver for him. But yeah, yes. um, you know there are plenty of reasons to to criticize Eugene Melnick, but Q jumping for an organ transplant is <laughs> is un- is not one of them. <laughs> well, regardless, uh, you know I just feel like uh, at least this year. The team in Ottawa, that is, has embraced sort of that conflict with the fans. It's really difficult to feel like you're pushing up against the very sort of backbone of the organization that you want to support, right? Uh, to have an adversarial relationship with the the thing that you want to be cheering for is kind of defeats the purpose of why we watch the sport in the first place. And that sort of does feel like the Melnick sends fan base relationship over the last few years, at least this year. And maybe it's just out of necessity with uh, the way that, you know, COVID has, has gone and that the, there's no fans in the building, but, you know, to see the team embrace the sends sickos movement and kind of make that, uh, ha ha. Yes. Yes. Uh, template for yeah. those cardboard cutouts, like that is just a level of, um, I guess, camaraderie between team and fans that we haven't really seen in Ottawa, it seems, for quite a long time. It's refreshing because they jumped on it without ruining it. So 
they didn't try to use it as a cash grab. Uh, if I'm not mistaken, a large percentage of the proceeds at least went to charity uh, with regards to the actual purchasing of the cardboard cutouts. But again, it is a situation where they're not treating the fans with outward hostility, which they have done in the past, especially during the dark days of this rebuild when Mark Stone got traded and Pierre Dorian went on the radio and uh, gave some quotes that are still remembered by Ottawa fans. Uh, among them was, I know uh, fans are attached to these players, it's, but it's like a girlfriend. If your girlfriend leaves, you get a new girlfriend. Some, I'm paraphrasing, but that did not go over well, to say the least. Um, there have been numerous instances like that, like Eugene Melnick threatening to move the team on the eve of the Centennial Classic, which if you follow the Ottawa Senators, you know that these big moments where they're on the front and center stage of the league they're few and far between ottawa has historically had to play little brother to teams like toronto and montreal so for a game like that to be overshadowed by the owner making comments about possibly moving the team not great uh, so the sickos in particular is totally organic uh and has been generated by sends twitter actually and ian mendez actually wrote a fantastic piece in the athletic about the kind of genesis of it and the users that were instrumental in creating it but yeah it is it does feel like a step in the right direction especially with the team developing and fans getting excited about them again like there have been a lot of fans prominent fans who kind of left they went into exile as some of them put it and uh shyla anwar is a famous example um where she went into exile as she called it the self-imposed exile after eric carlson was traded um and now fans like her have kind of slowly started to work their way back uh so it is a prime opportunity right now for the sense to build excitement again when they're young they're fast they're exciting they have gorgeous new jerseys it'll be interesting to see what attendance figures look like when when fans are allowed back in the arena um so yeah i know that's kind of a long rambly answer but but yeah it, it has been really nice to see uh the sickos movement evolve into something that's been not only accepted by the team but embraced and you you do kind of i think as a franchise need to throw a bone to that cynical element of of the of the fan base basically as a franchise you have to do that because you know like ultimately uh those are still people who want to see the team succeed right i think a, a lot of times certainly in vancouver things can kind of fall into tribalism between uh quote unquote positive fans and cynical fans we all want the same thing here, and that is to see a contending team that is atop the league and, and dominating the way that we've seen uh, the team in the past, whether that's you know the, the 2011 Canucks or the 2007 Senators or so on, etc. Um, and, and, you know, there is a real danger, I think, when you have a situation where, and certainly this has been the case in Vancouver, uh, you know, you go from not just distrusting the people who are running the team to kind of actively despising them. Uh, hate can only sustain you as a sports fan for so long before the opposite of love really takes hold. And it's not hate. It's apathy. And it is. It is. Yeah. And that has happened in Vancouver. I think over the last little while here is you've seen people who become so frustrated with no change in direction and no really grand vision that they can buy into those people will be cynical to a point until they get to a point where they feel like this is just hopeless. I'm wasting my time. Years of my life are going by and nothing is happening here. 
what am I doing? I'm wasting my life. <laughs> like, there's yeah. bigger things and, and there, than and this you're right. stupid There has team. been a lot of conflict in Ottawa over the past few years about what constitutes a fan. Is a fan someone who accepts this current reality that these star players are going to be traded and chooses to support this team anyway? Or is a fan someone who decides to take it upon themselves to hold the team accountable and say, you know what, if you're going to trade my favorite players, screw you. I'm not buying your merchandise. I'm not buying your tickets. I'm, vote I'm not with my watching dollar. your games. You know, so so there so there has been a mix of that. And it has been a topic that is has been hotly debated among Senators fans. But I think at the end of the day, uh, the team has done a good job of trying to repair that relationship by staying out of their own way. Uh, the best thing that Eugene Melnick ever did, frankly, was stop talking, you know, um, and he did that. He stopped going in front of microphones. He stopped saying things. He just let the team play out in front of them and let the, and let the product speak for itself. Product hasn't always been good, but there is a tangible direction that fans can see to a competitive team. Tim Stutzla is a franchise player. I don't think there's any doubt about that. The same can be said of Brady Kachuk. Thomas Shabbat has the potential to be a Norris Trophy winning defenseman. He needs help. He needs a partner mainly. Um, and then you have some excellent goaltending prospects and excellent prospects in college hockey. Like fans have just embraced the product as it stood. When there were, the Senators weren't playing and the University of North Dakota and their four Ottawa Senators prospects were playing, they jumped on that. They started calling UND the Nodak Sens and they started watching the games. And, and it even got recognized by the University of North Dakota themselves. Sens fans were getting shout outs on the broadcast. You know, this is a fan base who takes a ton of grief across the league for not selling out games or whatever. But this is one of the most passionate fan bases in hockey. I will never hesitate or I'll never... Uh, pass up an opportunity to stand up for this fan base because they love this team to death. They love them. Uh, and now that things are kind of starting to improve, you can feel that excitement coming back. Like when the senators came back uh, for the first game of the 2021 season, you could feel the excitement. I mean, even me, you know, who's a guy, I'm a fan at heart, of course, but I, I tried to kind of remain objective just because of my position. But I mean, when the Sens hit the ice in those gorgeous black uniforms and the intro songs playing, like I feel myself getting a little choked up, you know, because it's been over. It's been almost a year since I've gotten to watch them play. Uh, and now there's promise again. So so they've done a good job of kind of trying to slowly ingratiate themselves back into back into the hearts of the fan base. But ultimately it's just been the product on the ice that has, that's gotten the fans interested and the players that they've picked up. This episode is brought to you by Bet Online. Bet Online is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all of your sports action. Football might be over, but the NBA, college basketball, and the NHL are still in full swing. And Bet Online even covers awards shows, TV shows, reality TV. You got real time updated odds and props on almost anything you can imagine. Bet Online has you covered for all the news, scores, and odds. It's the best way to place your bets, and it's free to sign up. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and use promo code LOCKED ON to receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet online, your online sportsbook experts. Yeah, we were talking about the similarities between these teams as far as uh, ownership woes go. Uh, and I think, you know, frugality on the uh, Canucks side is kind of a new wrinkle this uh, season and previous offseason. Uh, but one thing that I think that um, Melnick and Aquilini do have in common beyond uh, their economic circumstances this current year is sort of um, 
uh, an allergy to criticism in a way, uh, just not being able to handle uh, negative media, which, like, I just see that as so misguided. You know, we were talking about the need to throw a bone to the cynical side of your fan base. That is the kind of coverage that those people want. And I think you're really missing the forest for the trees if you're not able to see uh, that people who are really invested in in coverage of your team, even if it's critical and negative coverage, is still huge interest in the team. And I know that, you know, there's been some situations in Ottawa in the past with, uh, you know, reporters not allowed to, on the uh, the team charter after certain stories and so on, etc. Uh, to me, it's just like, Ultimately, if people are talking about the team, even if it's negatively, you know, what? what is it? It's an old cliche and maybe it's not true, but there's no such thing as bad publicity. Yeah. I would, as an owner, you have to accept that criticism is better than people just not thinking about you at all, right? Like, <laughs> and, and I just don't, it's baffling to see, you know, in Vancouver over the years, uh, uh, Tommy Larshide was the longtime radio um, color guy on the broadcasts uh, right. for, for decades. And he was sort of stiff-armed into retirement uh, by the team is, is what the story is that has kind of leaked out over the years because they viewed him as negative when it's like that guy loves your team more than anybody. Uh, you know, yeah. they, I, I work at Sportsnet 650. I'm very glad that that station exists, but why was it created? Because Francesco Aquilini felt that Team 1040 was being mean to him, so he wanted to go out somewhere else, and somewhere else didn't exist, so the, he kind of just created uh, a, a radio station that would be maybe nicer to him than the one he was currently dealing with. It's just like, I don't understand yeah. that philosophy. Maybe it's just a, the coddled rich guy attitude that nobody's ever said no or said a bad word to you uh, in your life in, in normal personal settings that you can't handle it in a business sense. It just is baffling to me. But it it seems to be a common strain uh, with both owners in both markets. Yeah, and, and it's something that the senators are still kind of tr- struggling to figure out. I mean, they've gotten better. Like, don't get me wrong. I mean, Eugene Melnick hasn't threatened to, quote, bury any reporters in the last few years. So so that is an, a positive, I think. Uh, but at the same time, there are kind of struggles uh, between the team and the members of the media and even members of the fan base and the blog sphere, whatever. Um, so I, I think... You know, it is a touchy subject because there are people that go too far, right? Like the best advice I ever got was from Ian Mendez and it was criticized, but don't make it personal. Uh, and I think that is something a lot of people, whether it's in the mainstream media or in the blog sphere, or even just fans, I think that's something people lose sight of. You know, if you're criticizing a player and saying he sucks, okay, fine, but you don't need to tag the player on Twitter so he sees that, you know? Yeah. Like, it, it, it's th- it's things like that. So, but yeah, I mean, I think especially if you're a team like the Ottawa Senators that undertook this historic rebuild where you blew up any semblance of a hockey team that you had and you traded two of not only the most talented players to ever wear your uniform, but two of the most universally beloved players to ever wear your uniform. And to not be prepared for criticism when making decisions like that is frankly absurd. Uh, And that is something that the senators did not do a good enough job of. But 
I think at the end of the day, things are improving to an extent. Uh, there's been more engagement with the fan base. Uh, they have been a little more open in terms of the media. I mean, you know, we, we talked about the sickos thing, but I, I seriously can't get over that because some, two years ago, that would have been totally, I would have thought you had left the planet if you told me that would be happening, <laughs> that they would have jumped on a Twitter bit that has that had taken off you know like it's, it's just something you didn't expect from this team a few years ago so hopefully it's a sign that they're turning over a new leaf and that they are going to be more receptive to these methods of criticism um because that, you're right at the end of the day it's just people that love this team and just want to see this team win and they're not criticizing to be mean-spirited they're criticizing because they care because they're uh, passionate i think the team is slowly coming around to that idea yeah uh, it's funny, though, like you, you mentioned it earlier that they hopped on without ruining it because that is such a precarious thing, right? It is, it, it, yeah. There's a really easy way for the Sens to be like, uh, yeah, we see what you're doing and, and we like it in a way that is like comes across like Hillary Clinton dabbing, basically, right? So <laughs> yeah, exactly. The fact that it has like uh, held on to its heart and still feels like a fan movement even as the team is embracing it, I think is like, yeah, very commendable. And certainly for a team that has had kind of a contentious relationship with its fan base <laughs> over the last little while, like this is, this is much needed. And, and it seems like you guys are, uh, are managing to have some fun while you watch a, a team that is circling the drain for another year. Yeah, And, and things are adding up, right? Like, um, you know, our dear friend, Brian Fraser, who was a producer at CFRA Ottawa passed away from, uh, after a long battle with leukemia not long ago, and he was a diehard fan of the Ottawa Senators. Like he, he cared about this team and loved them more than anybody I've ever encountered. Like mm -hmm. I had him on the podcast and we talked for in from his hospital room while he was undergoing cancer treatment, by the way. And we talked for probably almost an hour about just the state of the team about New Jersey's and when is Artem Zub going to get a shot in this lineup, you know, and, and favorite memories. Like, and when he passed, um, they they were fantastic about honoring him and they supported him the whole way too. Like I know for a fact that Brady Kachuk was in contact with him. So was Thomas Shabbat, um, as well as players like Christian Molanin and other guys from UND. But even the other night against Edmonton, when it was Hockey Fights Cancer Night in Edmonton, uh, and the players were all holding signs, I fight for you know, for the national anthem and Brady Kachuk had his grandmas, but under that he had Brian Fraser. So, and I believe it's still a headline on their website, remembering Brian Fraser. So they have made, it seems like a concerted effort to get back in touch with the community and to be a team that listens to their fans again, and that genuinely openly cares about their fans again. Is there more work to do in that regard? Yeah. Like I certainly think so. I, I don't think you make up for, the destruction that this team underwent overnight, um, you know, to go from the highest of highs in that 2017 team to the lowest of lows with the way Eric Carlson was traded. I mean, think about it. Losing in game seven, double overtime of the Eastern conference final was probably the highlight of the last few years for this team. Any other team that is devastating, like it's, it's emotionally crippling. And to an extent it still is in Ottawa, but when that's remembered as the good times, yikes right so i mean the fan the team has done a better job of kind of re-engaging with the fan base i just hope it's not a fleeting thing and i hope it continues because we've seen that happen before where it looks like they're making an effort and then all of a sudden it's just you know it totally it, you know it's like a it becomes a contentious contentious relationship again so mm -hmm. i just hope that it stays consistent 
Yeah, um, this is kind of a, a delicate uh, tightrope to walk here. I don't want this to be taken the right way because obviously uh, uh, what everything around uh, Brian's circumstances is a terrible tragedy. But, um, you know, sometimes there is good that comes out of those horrible moments because you do see the way the community rallies and that there is a sense of community here, which is always felt during the the good years, right? When the team is on top, when the team is making a playoff run, uh, when the team is going deep and everything's going well, everybody's on the same page and feels happy and together. But like we said, things get contentious when you're losing a lot. There are different ideologies within the fan base. It can be a very combative uh, atmosphere. And it's really unfortunate that it does take these awful, tragic moments. But uh, to be able to see that there is a cohesiveness here, that this is a community of people that all have each other's back when the chips are down, uh, can be a really valuable thing, especially when things are not going well on the ice, that you remember why you're here and why you uh, do these things day after day. And, you know, in Vancouver, I, you know, my assault was one of those things. Uh, the people that I have had just the, the most vitriolic arguments with online were, you know, my most ardent supporters when I was in the hospital. Dave Nordham as well, a Canucks fan in Vancouver who was battling cancer uh, this past year. And the, the team, uh, you know, Elias Pedersen was very much on board with that. That's the sort of thing like we are all in this together and and yeah. and you need to look beyond championships as much as that is like the dream is that this team will win a Stanley Cup ultimately there are about to be 32 teams here uh before too long 31 of them yeah. don't win every year which means probability wise you might never win and you need to find things in the process that still um sort of remind you why you do this and uh just, you know, the the outpouring of love around Brian's passing. It's a horrible tragedy, obviously, a guy so young. But uh, to see the way the community came out, man, like that's especially in lean years where you don't have a lot to feel good about. You can certainly feel good about how everybody reacted to that. Yeah. And that's and that's Ottawa, right? Like it's such a tight knit group of people. I mean, there are, you know, divisions among the fan base, but but ultimately, they're a group of people who love their community, who care about their community, and they love the Senators. And I mean, Brian in particular reminded me what being a fan is. That I mean, that is a guy who is the embodiment of a sports fan. And on a personal level, when I had him on the show, I mean, and we were reliving our, our favorite moments uh, together. And chief among them was that 2017 run um, because there were so many great moments along the way, like Clark MacArthur scoring his first goal back from concussions and then, you know, scoring in overtime against the Bruins to win the series. For me personally, it was being at game four of the second round series against the Rangers with my dad uh, and the senators coming from behind and winning in overtime. And, you know, like moments like that, Bobby Ryan's overtime goal against Pittsburgh, if you're a team like Ottawa and the same can be said of Vancouver, unfortunately, where you've never won a championship and the closest you've come is some heartbreak in the Stanley cup final. That's what you got to hold on to. And for me, you know, not to diverge too much from the hockey side of things, but Brian and I, uh, we had a lot of uh, spirited debates over football. Uh, I'm a big Tampa Bay Buccaneers fan and Brian is a new Orleans saints fan. So the biggest of rivals. And then, you know, him reminding me, to kind of stop and smell the roses of of fandom was a big reason why I enjoyed Tampa Bay Super Bowl run this year so much because actually beating New Orleans in the playoffs <laughs> was one of those things that I'll never forget. You know, Devin White's interception running down the sideline. Like 
like those are the sports moments that'll live with me forever. Uh, and I think Brian understood that. And I think it is a sentiment that he sort of passed on to the rest of the sentence community and especially on Twitter. And it's something that is, you know, that has been embraced. And I think it's one of the reasons that this year has been so enjoyable despite the circumstances. I mean, no Senators fan is ever going to let go of the fact that they came from behind uh, after being down 5-1 against the Toronto Maple Leafs to win the game. That will never, ever be let go in Ottawa. I don't care if Toronto wins five Stanley Cups in the next five years. You're always going to have Senators fans saying it was 5-1. Remember that night. Yeah. And then that's... You know, as much as uh, as we remember some guys, I think, as as David Roth uh, has coined it, with uh, with Deadspin and now the defector over the years, it, it, it's a lot of remember that night. You know that yeah. that one magic night because yeah, like you said, like you have to find joy in the in the little moments, um, mm-hmm. whether that is uh, a a playoff victory or even just you know a regular season night in a pandemic year that ultimately <laughs> means nothing. It was fun. Yeah. For one for one night, right? <laughs> yeah, and and the, the best case scenario for the Sens would be that Montreal or someone misses the playoffs because of points that they didn't get in Ottawa. You know, <laughs> like that is the Sens sickos movement to a T. It's Toronto getting a less favorable playoff matchup because of points they didn't get against Ottawa. You know, like fans, they do not care. You know, losing to Vancouver and Edmonton every time they play sucks. Nobody likes losing, mm-hmm. but they will take losing every game to Winnipeg, Vancouver, uh, Calgary, and Edmonton if it means beating the Leafs and the Habs at least half the time. <laughs> like, like that is that, but that's the passion of this fan base, yeah. right? It's those are the rivals who this fan base cannot stand. And it's all good natured. Um, well, it's it's Schadenfreude. Guy. You're delighting in the misery of others, you know? Yeah. You, yeah. you and felt the road so... guy, like, is a big Twitter uh, figure and leaves Twitter, but he's beloved in Ottawa, you know? Yeah. Um, the Ottawa fan base loves him. So, I mean, but those are the moments that, like you said, right? Like, that take you through a season like this where, under ordinary circumstances, like, are the Buffalo Sabres having a good time this year? No. The fans are not happy in <laughs> Buffalo right now. But Ottawa is in, I mean, granted, they have much more in the way of hope than the Sabres do for the future, anyway. But they're not dissimilar points wise. And one fan base is having a grand old time and one fan base is like on the verge of mental collapse. So, (laughs) you know, so I I think that is the spirit uh, in Ottawa. And I think Brian embodied that to a T and I think that's a reason why this fan base is so passionate is because they're good at finding that beauty in this, in these negative spaces. Um, and I think you have to when your team doesn't have a history of winning. But I also think it's one of the things that makes Ottawa great. And it's why I'm so proud and so honored to be a part of this community and to have even a modicum of voice among Senators fans. Well, uh, Brandon, thank you for sharing uh, your voice with us here today on Locked on Canucks. Uh, Once again, before I let you go, people can find you at Silver7Sends as a writer, and you are the host of the Internal Budget Ottawa Senators podcast as well. And um, always a pleasure chatting with you, man. Thanks for doing this. Likewise, brother. Thank you for having me. Anytime you want to have me back on, I'm more than happy to trade barbs with you about the Sens and Canucks. And we'll definitely have you back on my show soon because that was a great episode that we did. (laughs) And people can find that over, of course, at Internal Budget if they did not get enough of us chatting here today.
There he is, Brandon Mackey of the Internal Budget Podcast and Silver 7 Sends. Uh, we had an hour-long conversation on his show uh, before this chat even began, and we did not really repeat hardly any topics at all. So if you enjoyed that and wanted even more of it, I uh, strongly recommend you head on over and, and check out his program, the Internal Budget Podcast. Uh, I will be back, as I mentioned, tomorrow morning, uh, maybe in the mid-afternoon, to break down just an awful outing for the Canucks, another one, uh, <laughs> another bad game uh, in a season that has been full of them, and really the one that has all but taken the sails out of this team's, uh, I mean, th- that was it. There's no playoffs after that. And I will be back to tell you about that tomorrow, Thursday, right here on Locked on Canucks. I have been, will continue to be Justin Morissette, and you've been locked in on Locked on Canucks, part of the Locked on Podcast Network.